Coming up on this episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. You're a fighter. You've been through cancer. Like, don't forget. Like, I mean, I just I, I want to just drive that home. Like, you think about what you've been through and what you've beaten. You've been through cancer, chemo, radiation. You've thrown up and back in the hospital because of dehydration. Everything's been thrown at you. You know, you are tough. I know you're tough. If, if you've gone through it, oh my gosh, you're tough. You can handle this. I promise you can. I promise. Like, I, if I, I swear if I could, I would hold anybody's hand walking through this because that's what I wanted because I didn't believe that I could. And I did it with help from friends. I didn't do it alone, but you can do it. Rem- I just want people to remember what you've been through. Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast, stories of struggle, hope, and survival in the face of colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. Welcome to episode 49 of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for this exciting episode. A lot of events coming up uh, in the colon cancer community during the month of September. I want to cover those with you starting on the 10th of September, this coming Saturday, for the folks located that live near Houston, uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center is holding an early age onset colorectal cancer education symposium all day, starting at 7.30 in the morning, 7.30 to 4 p.m. Information on this event can be found on the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org. Then for those that are looking to get moving, walking, running, quite a few events taking place same day, Saturday, September the 10th, the Undie Run Walk is hitting the historic city of Philadelphia, PA. We'll be meeting everybody at 9 a.m. next to the Art Museum on Martin Luther King Drive. Check us out for that Undie Run Walk in Philly. And on the same day, up in Madison, Wisconsin, is the Scope It Out 5K Run Walk at 9 a.m. in Rindell Park in Madison, Wisconsin. Then the Scope It Out team moves over the following Sunday, September the 18th, to Pittsburgh, where the 5K run and one-mile fun walk uh, will be held out at Southside Heritage Trail in Pittsburgh. Again, that's Sunday, September the 18th at 9 a.m. Then we have a interesting webinar coming up on Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. What? What should I eat after colorectal cancer? A healthy diet can reduce your risk for cancer, but a colorectal cancer diagnosis often raises a new set of questions on proper diet and oncological nutrition. Will I be able to eat my favorite foods? What can I eat if my body can't handle leafy greens and high-fiber vegetables? All these topics will be covered by Terry Taylor, who I had the pleasure of hearing uh, present at last year's Live Your Best Life 2015 Colon Cancer Alliance uh, Annual Conference in Arizona. Terry's a very knowledgeable. She's a terrific speaker. She was a guest on the podcast while I was there. This is a webinar you don't want to miss. And again, it's what should I eat after colorectal cancer, Wednesday, September 21st, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. 
And then the Undie Run Walk uh, makes its appearance in Cleveland, Ohio on Saturday, September the 24th, 9 a.m. at the Flats at East Bank. Check us out there. And those are the upcoming September events in the colon cancer community. I want to thank our sponsor, H2ORS. Uh, H2ORS is an oral rehydration solution. Those of you that are struggling to stay hydrated, whether it be because of your uh, chemo or ostomy, whatever it may be, uh, hydration is so, so important. And unlike the popular sports drinks, H2ORS does not contain any artificial colors, sugar, or artificial sweeteners. And uh, you can check it out and try a free sample. If you visit H2ORS.com forward slash sample, Give them your information. They'll ship you out a couple of samples for you to try. And then if you use H2RS.com, H2RS.com as the promo code on their site, when you make your first purchase, they'll take 10% off of that initial order. Uh, There's always opportunities for guests on the Colon Cancer Podcast. If you know someone uh, who you think their story needs to be heard and want to share it with the colon cancer community, just go on our website at thecolancancerpodcast.com. There is a link there to nominate a guest. My guest this week is Christopher Thompson. The best way I can describe Chris is he's a badass. He really is. Uh, I found him online. I saw some videos that he had shared of him working out in the gym and said, this is a guy I've got to talk to. Uh, Chris is uh, one of the models of in the, featured in the 2016 Colander. Uh, he was also in the video that was put out a couple months ago uh, as part of the Never Too Young campaign. Chris was initially diagnosed with colon cancer 20 years ago at the age of 18. He's got an interesting story. I know you're going to enjoy our conversation. So join me now for for my chat with Chris Thompson. Good evening, Chris. How are you? Thanks for joining me this evening. Hey, thank you so much. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. Oh, certainly. Hey, you know, you caught my attention really uh, through two videos. Uh, The outstanding video that the uh, Never Too Young Coalition put out back in June, I think it was. And you were a part of that. And I'm like, God, who's this dude working out in the gym? Because that's a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart. And then I happened to stumble upon something, I think it may have been on your Facebook page or somewhere, uh, doing some pretty serious uh, work in the gym again. And I said, all right, this is, this is a guy I got to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that means a lot. That means a lot. Uh, how did you come to be in the Never Too Young video? Um, from being in the calendar, um, they asked if they could have my information. They got in touch with me and... They said they were doing it with five other people. Would I like to be involved? I said, of course. You know, again, you know, I just, I'm, I was honored that anybody would think that I was deserving of anything like that. And then just to spread awareness, I thought was great. So, and then they just asked about, you know, the setting, you know, other people were doing it, um, where they worked or with their family. And, and I was just kind of, kind of like, the gym has kind of been my new thing, you know, and I have a really great relationship with my trainer and I think we have a place we could do it. I just think it would be great. And they were like, sure. And then it just, it worked out really well. And that's kind of been, I don't know. That's it's, the gym has been really huge in my life, you know, since just the feeling. So I don't know, just getting back in there and being able to do all these things I never thought I'd be able to do. 
So mm-hmm. it's, it's, I get it's it. a powerful place for me. It's a, I don't know. It's like a, it just means a lot to me. Yeah. I hear that a lot. I personally experienced that. So, uh, I'm with you. I get it. I forgot to ask you, where's, where's home? Oh, I live in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Oh, so you're not far from the Colon Cancer Alliance office anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another reason why they were interested. Yeah. Um, We'll come back to the gym in a minute because I want to talk about exercise and the impact, not just emotionally, but physically also. But uh, I want to go back um, 20 years. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be 20 years. I, September September 4th will be 20 years. 20 years. So that's our first on the podcast. And uh, you were first diagnosed at the age of 18. Yeah, it was two months after I graduated high school. Wow. Uh, did you know you had FAP at the time? No, I got diagnosed with FAP. I got diagnosed with FAP during my colonoscopy, and then and I didn't get diagnosed with cancer until the surgery. They missed it during the colonoscopy. But no, I knew that there was a chance that I had it. Um, my grandmother had it. So I was raised by my grandparents. So my grandmother had it, my mother had it, and my uncle had it. And I knew, and I knew of it, and I knew there was a possibility that I would have to have my colon removed. But I mean, as far as I mean, cancer was never really brought up, you know, my grandmother had it later age and later in life and no cancer. Same thing with the rest of my family. So it was, it wasn't really a worry. And then when I had the colonoscopy, they came back and said, you know, you're, they basically said, you're, you know, your colon's unsalvageable. You have to have the whole thing out. I was, see, when I was, I was a naive young 18. So I didn't, I mean, while that sounded like a big deal, I couldn't really grasp what they were telling me. So I was like, okay, can I just have, the first thing I said was, can I just have the summer to hang out with my friends? And they were like, yeah, we can wait, we can wait until the summer. But I said, okay, so then planned it for September. And um, I asked my grandmother a bunch of questions and she told me when she had her colon taken out, it felt like she got hit by a Mack truck. And I was like, oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to this now. You know, now, now yeah. I'm kind of getting into what the surgery is going to be like. And, um, and then during the surgery, they found the, t- the, the tumor and I, when I woke up, my, my first recollection, I don't know the first time I woke up or not, but um, it was to, you know, a bunch of lab coats and more than just my grandparents surrounding my bed. And they said, listen, you know, during the surgery, we found an apple-sized tumor in your rectum and you have stage three cancer. I said, oh. and I didn't, and the first thing I said was, which is, I mean, I don't know if you can take it consideration I was 18 was I'm going to lose my hair. Well, yeah, when you're 18, you have a whole different right. frame of reference. Sure. And, and the greatest thing about that was, I mean, I, I should, was my grandfather's reaction. So this is what I said. And, and my grandfather takes all of this in and I, you know, I, he says, don't worry about it. We're going to get you the best wig money can buy. Now that means so much to me because he just, you know, he told me I had a 40% chance survival rate. And this is what I say, you know, and he takes everything in, processes it, understands where I'm coming from as an 18 year old, doesn't get upset and kind of just makes me feel better. Like that's, that's, that's the guy. I mean, he, he's, <laughs> I, he's, an, I'm going to, going to choke me up a little bit, but he's, um, everything. So, I mean, uh, yeah. It's the words you needed to hear at that time. Yeah, no, he, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what I needed to hear. And, and, um, what prompted you to get a colonoscopy in the first place, Chris? Well, because they talked about having FAP and the, you know, the possibility of me having it. And it's funny because it was brought up about me maybe getting it at 14. 
And I remember doctors and things saying to my parents, ah, he's too young. You know, he doesn't need that force. You wait till he's 18 to see if he has it, see if he has any polyps in his colon. So we waited. I just want, sometimes I think about like, what if I got it when I was 14? You know what I mean? My whole life would have been different. But what can you do? Right. So they waited till I was 18. But I mean, nobody thought at 18. Like, I mean, what's the chances that 18 my colon was going to be that bad? You know, nobody. My parents had it later. I mean, doctors didn't even know. It was, they missed it when they had the colonoscopy. I didn't get diagnosed until I had the surgery. So, I mean, you know, things happen. Sure. And, and, and certainly, you know, things change in terms of treatment and diagnosis as we're seeing today quite rapidly. So what was the treatment that they put you through? I did the chemo. I wish I could remember the name of the chemo. Fall Fox. I wish I could remember. It's probably Fall Fox. Yeah. And, um, it was 25 rounds of radiation mm. and, uh, yeah. And, um, that's, you know, started, you know, soon after I got back and, and it was, it was everything that they say it is, you know? Yeah. That, one of the things that I, that I come across in talking to people that were diagnosed young is, you know, you're talking about things like bowels and then you get into the whole embarrassment piece. Uh, you know, looking back 20 years now, uh, you know, if someone's listening to this and, and they know someone or they themselves uh, is kind of facing this situation and that's a big concern, you know, what have you learned about the whole embarrassment piece and what would you, what message would you share with other people? I would, especially with like, you know, social media, what it is today, like be honest and talk about it. Like I didn't talk about it until I was 35. So, and people are so, so accepting and kind and it makes you feel so much better. Like I sat on this for years and I was so embarrassed. My friends didn't know how bad I had it. And then I started talking about it and I wrote it into a blog and then people read it and there's, I got the greatest, I mean, I got responses I never thought I would get and people were so kind and nobody cares. See, my whole thing was everybody was going to think I was gross and, you know, or think I smelled all the time. And so it was basically all my insecurities I put on everybody else. Whatever I thought about myself and how gross I thought this was, I assumed everybody thought that about me and it's just not true. Like people... People, there's some really great people in this world, and people are a lot nicer and a lot more caring, at least that I gave them credit for. So I would just be open about it because it makes – it just makes – it was a whole weight lifted on my shoulders. Like I'm carrying this around every day, like hiding from this. Like I'm wearing a pad in my pants. Like I'm, I'm not eating. I'm going to work all day, and I'm not eating just because I don't want to like have an accident, and I'm miserable both ways. If I eat, I'm miserable. If I don't, you know, it's just – but if I just told somebody, you know, they would understand. And I was just afraid of doing that. And, and just to talk about it because it's just – people will care about you. And it's just – I don't want anybody to go through what I did as far as like just carrying this weight around and just feeling like people aren't going to like you or that you're disgusting. It's something – it was something totally out of my hands. And people aren't going to judge you for that. Like any, you know, it's because of cancer. It's something that cancer did to me. And cancer, if anybody's listening, had that cancer's done to you. It's, you know, it's not like you're choosing to, you know, not to go to the bathroom and just doing your, like, it's, don't care. I mean, aside from the physical thing, don't carry around this mental thing with you, too. 
I just don't, you know, it's too, it's, it's, a, I did it for until I was 30 and I had this, you know, surgery when I was, when I was 18. So, I mean, 35. So I had this surgery when I was 18. So I did this for so long. Like, I don't, I wouldn't want anybody else to do it to themselves what I did to myself. Sorry, I got a little carried away. No, that, no, you're, you're passionate about it. And, and, uh, you also touch on something that, uh, I think every one of us that is uh, dealing with this this disease deals with is the impact it has on the people around you. Yeah. And to a person, myself included, uh, I think the I think the person that I interviewed that kind of uh, put it in a beautiful picture, so to speak. Uh, last year, I interviewed Michael Holtz, and he said, "If he, something along the line, sorry, Michael, I'm paraphrasing here." Uh, he said, "The portrait of your friends and family before your diagnosis will look different than the portrait of your friends and family after." Oh, 100%. and some some will leave, right? And will be and will be replaced by others that you had n- never expected would be in that portrait. And I thought that was put so eloquently, and everybody, including myself. Has said absolutely true. Oh no, hundred percent. Like I mean, that first of all, that's a. I mean, that's a, it. Paints a great picture. You know, you, it's 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 on. It's a hundred percent true. It's a hundred percent true. And you, and you just talked about that about people being so understanding. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. And you mentioned your blog. Had you always been a writer, or did this come as a result of all that uh, happened to you in your life? Because I was having control of my bowels, I made the decision to have the, a permanent ostomy because I was—I thought the ostomy was worse than you know, crap my pants, you know, for lack of a better term, every night, you know. So, but then it just got to a point where it was quality of life. So I made this decision to have the ostomy, but I was still nervous about it. So I would talk to people about it and friends, and they asked me, why don't you start writing a blog? So I said, sure. But to be completely honest, like my, the blog what didn't start out, and I don't even know now if it, if it was to help anybody. It was totally selfish, if I'm going to be mm-hmm. completely honest, because I felt like I'm going to write all this. I'm going to be completely honest, and this is my way of – like the kid that gets picked on in school. I'm going to take this thing out of the joke before they can make it because I'm going to put it out there first. And there's nothing for anybody to hold against me. That's how I felt. So with my first post, I just wrote everything that's happened to me between 18 and that day. And I'm going to have an ostomy. And I've been, I told every story that I've, you know, crapped my pants. I, I remember I was sleeping in, in bed with a girl that I was dating and I forgot to put a diaper on and I, I crapped all over the bed, all over her. And it was at the time the most horrific thing that I could have ever imagined happening. And I was so mortified, I was embarrassed, and we kind of never think things weren't the same after that, you know. And I just wanted everything to be out there, and um, and I was afraid what was going to come back, and people were going to be like, "Oh, crow. didn't know." And everybody was like, "Wow, like you've been through." I didn't know, like people in high school, people that I was kept in touch with after, like I never knew, and people that I worked with were like, "Really? Like you don't tell that?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, no." And so that's how it started. And one of the things that I read in there that. I want you to kind of expand upon is you said, and I quote, ostomy gave me my life back. Oh, and I never thought I would say that, but it's a hundred percent. Like, so I, like I said, like I wouldn't eat. Like when I went to work, I wouldn't eat, you know, so then I would come home and have, to, so when you don't eat, like obviously it affects a lot of things, your energy, you know, working at whatever it may be. And 
your mood and everything. So I wouldn't eat. So I would just be like this miserable guy. And I would always worry about where the bathroom was. So I would stay home. I painted myself into a corner. I didn't want to go anywhere. So I stayed home where I always had access to the bathroom. So now I have an ostomy, which, you know, physically maybe doesn't look the greatest thing, but I don't know. I'm not always running to a bathroom. Like I can go out and eat. I'm at a friend's house. I can, you know, I work at, like, I mean, I'm never looking for, I'm not looking for a bathroom like I was. I'm not chasing it or worry about or planning out my evening as like, okay, well, they have a bathroom there. They don't have a bathroom there. Oh, I can't go to this. You know, I'm not restricted anymore. And so I've done so much more with Nasmi than I did with that. So yes, it did give me my life back. As crazy as that may sound to some people. Not at all. Not at all. I've heard that. And I, and I highlighted that just so uh, our audience who's listening could hear yet another person say those exact words because you're not the first you're not the first by any stretch of the imagination of of people echoing that same sentiment uh, i don't know if you're as bold as my man ed yakaki up in uh, philly strutting around strutting strutting around the beach uh with his shirt off oh, love, but uh, you know ed. which i think is awesome big ed uh, i love oh he's great he is great he is great and i haven't had the chance to meet him yet i he hope is, that they he come is. sometime but uh, he's great. You know, you're he's right. Great. There's this, no, you, you opened our conversation talking about all the amazing people out oh, there. Oh yeah, he's. And, I mean, uh, I, he's certainly. He's one definitely of them. one of them. I mean, he's. So. He was my bunkmate when we did the calendar, and I looked at him. Like, I felt like. Oh. He was. I felt like <laughs> he was kind of like my big brother. He's a really cool guy. Like he's all tattooed. I'm all tattooed. I was like, you're just a bigger version of me. I looked up. I mean, he doesn't know any of this, but I, I just kind of looked up to him. I thought he was like I was the cool kid in school. I just liked hanging around him. He's such a good guy. He's so knowledgeable and so positive. And again, with the awesome, he just kind of out there and he with it and just like it is what it is. And I, I love that about him. He's yeah. a good guy. Yeah. Um, which calendar were you in? This past year, so 2016. Which month? Oh, my um, Oh, you don't know? No, no, no. I know. I know. I know. I, saw <laughs> I was expecting you to drop a, I'm Mr. August. I know. I know. <laughs> Can we just insert that afterwards? Like, I'll just say a month. <laughs> and yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're in the calendar. I'm in the calendar. I'm in the calendar. And it was a great, it was a great. And how did you get chosen for that? It's funny. So I, I posted with the blog. I also was talking to my friend who's a professional photographer and she was like, you should do some photos for the column, you know, for, with your ostomy. And I was like, okay. And I was, but my plan was I wanted to do it after I got in the gym and got, you know, bigger. So I looked good with it to kind of offset the ostomy because I was still kind of, you know, nervous about it. And she was like, no, if you're going to do it, keep it real. Like do it now, like the way you look now. And I was like, I thought about it and I was like, all right. So we did this photo shoot and like I'm in my boxers and just everything is focused on that. And I, so I post all these on Instagram and talked about it, and then uh, Krista and Leanne would comment on my pictures and said, you know, you need to apply to the calendar. And I was like, what? So I did, and, and they chose me, and it's and I'm forever grateful for that life-changing experience. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back. You were really passionate uh, when we started our conversation about the gym. Yes. And working out. Uh let's go there a little bit more. How has that helped you? It's first of all, it's something to look forward to every day. I like, I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but I've said this before. I don't know if people, so bear with me. So when you're in the gym, you push yourself to a certain level in, in pain, you know, it's going to come, you know, you know, the whole like no pain, you know, no pain, no gain. 
but it's a pain that I'm creating versus all the pain that was just given to me when I was going through surgery after surgery after surgery. So it's, it's, I don't know if I found that that makes sense or not, but so it's, it, it feels great because it's, I'm just, it's something that I can do and I'm creating this pain that I, and I can take it and keep pushing forward. And I'm, I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know if I'm making it make any sense. It makes total sense. So it's just like that. It just, I love that. Like I know that my, Man, it's sorry. I get a little too directly because you know when I and you know look, I you and I probably have a twenty year age age gap between us, so uh, I'll I'll never want to be in the gym at the same time as you. No, no. But <laughs> but uh, you know, even when I was just walking at a decent clip on a treadmill with my chemo bag on, the whole psychological piece of. I'm not sick. Yes. Oh, I'm working out. I'm sweating. Uh, yeah, my heart rate's up. I, 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 I can't possibly be sick. And to me, that was so incredibly powerful. Yeah. And it sounds like you're trying to, you're kind of saying the same thing, maybe. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 That's a, it's a yeah. And it's a control thing, right? Yes. You're in control. You know, I'm creating. You know, something else isn't doing this to me. I'm doing this and overcome. You know, it's yeah. A hundred percent, and yeah, no, I to- I totally get it, and I think anybody else that's listening that has spent you know some time exercising uh, would pick up the same thing. Which is a great segue uh, to what advice would you give as it relates to exercise for people, Chris, that might be a little bit hesitant either because. Uh, they're concerned they can't do much. They're, they don't feel up to it just yet, or they're concerned about what other people will think. You know, what do you, what's your take on uh, on issues like that? First of all, I totally understand. I was so nervous going back to work out. You know, I got an osteo now. You know, I'm more prone to getting a hernia. Like I, I, my muscle. You know, I was so nervous. So. I, I would just suggest to do what I did. I found. A, first of all, I think you. I think you have to find a personal trainer. It's paramount. Oh, okay. Okay. That's interesting. I think you have to. And and I was lucky that I found one that um, I worked out with two and I found one that knew knew me and knew my story. And she actually had Crohn's, so she had been cut open before, so she understood my limitations. And she, and she didn't take it easy on me, but she wasn't a drill sergeant. So, and it was... And I was really nervous, so I just, you know, I didn't push myself that hard in the beginning. But I think that's okay. I think you need to get to your level of comfort. And, um, and finally, like, you know, I was always worried. I was like, I'm not doing anything abs because I'm going to rip open. And then well, you just got to, you know, just do things that maybe aren't crunches, do planks or something else to build your core that aren't necessarily, you know, until you get comfortable. And then, um, but I definitely, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a huge proponent of getting a, of getting a personal trainer. I mean, you don't have to, but I, mean, I think it helped a lot with me. And it also just with pushing you. Like, I feel like I, there was times when I wanted to give up cause I was scared and I trusted them and they would, you know, tell me not to give up and you know, certain, you know, however they wanted to word it. And I would, and I would keep pushing. And then with ostomies, I was, I was like, Oh man, I have to get all these things. Like I have to get like a binder of some sort to keep the ostomy and it's going to break and you know, I'm going to fall in all this stuff and I can't work out and I'm going to sweat it off and all this stuff. And 
this is all. So I was nervous, and I had I got something to wear on it on top of it, and I don't need it. So well, this is what I do when I work out. With it. I just um, I won't eat an hour, uh, like less than I won't even. I'll probably take like an hour before I work out, and you know, I won't eat just to give. You know, I have a high output ostomy, but make sure I still have energy. So you kind of kind of play with that. But then I empty my bag right before I work out. I wear a belt, and then. And my trainer now, I mean, she pushes, I mean, she pushes me squats, like, I mean, everything, cardio, like I'm sweating it and it hasn't fallen off and nothing's happened with the ostomy. But with that said, I will say this, there probably will be a time where I have an accident where this, where this falls off and I'll be embarrassed. But so, but if we really look at that, what, let's, you know, okay, so it falls off, then what? Worst case scenario, my bag falls off. Let's say poop goes everywhere in the gym. Then what? At that time, I'm frozen. My world is, my life is over. Everybody thinks I'm gross. But let's, you know, if we step back and we look at it, what happens? I go to the bathroom. I put another bag on. I apologize. Um, I clean up the mess. And I go back to work tomorrow. Because that's all it is. I'm going to remember it longer than they do. Exactly. That's, I think you... That's the message. That's the message you've been sharing throughout our conversation is our perception rarely aligns with what we, you know, what we think everybody else thinks, right? Oh, yeah. And I just don't, I wouldn't want anybody to wait. Like I waited so long to, you know, to start in the gym because I was scared and, and and it's probably, I, I would never tell anybody, especially going through this, I would never steer them wrong or make false promises about something that they, they just do it, you know? And, and, but with you, like, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. Like, yeah, stuff will happen. Like, yeah, you, your bag might fall off or things like that, but it's going to be okay. Just keep pushing. Like you're a fighter. You've been through cancer. Like, don't forget. Like, I mean, I just want, I want to just try that home. Like you think about what you've been through and what you've beaten You've been through cancer, chemo, radiation. You've thrown up and back in the hospital because of dehydration. Everything's been thrown at you. You know, you are tough. I know you're tough. If, if you've gone through it, oh my gosh, you're tough. You can handle this. I promise you can. I promise. Like, I, if I, I swear if I could, I would hold anybody's hand walking through this because that's what I wanted because I didn't believe that I could. And I did it with help from friends. I didn't do it alone. But you can do it. I just want people to remember what you've been through, and just taking you know think about those days that you were, how much hell that you've been through, and what cancer has done for you. It doesn't always what cancer has done to you, you know. And and you've come out and you're strong, stronger because of it. And you're, excuse my language, but a badass, you know. And, And give yourself credit and know that you can do more. You know, your oh man, your mind will give up before your body ever does. Your mind will tell you you quit, but you your body, you can keep going. I promise you can. You're so strong. Like all of these people going through cancer, beating cancer, still dealing with ramifications from the cancer. You're so strong. You deal with it on a day to day basis. The diagnosis, maybe you're in remission, but cancer stays with you for life, mentally and physically, from whatever happened. And so you're tough. Like, I just wish, I want everybody to just, you're tough. And that's, 
You can do so much more. And you can do the gym thing. And maybe it doesn't, maybe you don't get comfortable with it overnight. Maybe you don't get comfortable with it for a year. That's okay. Because there is no blueprint to life. Nothing is set out. We don't know. We just do our best. Sorry, I'm getting a little long-winded. My grandfather told me one thing. And I say it every day to myself and I say it to other people. Uh, he told me, he was, cause I, you know, you comp- I would always compare myself. Well, they're doing this and I'm doing this and they're doing this and I'm doing this. He said, listen. I said, yeah. He said, if you can lay your head down to bed every night and said you did your best that day. I'm not talking about what anybody else did. Your absolute best. The best you could, whatever it was. The best you can do. Let's, if we're talking about the gym, the best you could do is one pull-up. But you know that was your best? Lay, lay down and rest peacefully because you did all you could. And that just made so much sense to me. It just makes me feel better. I know that I did my best. I'm not comparing myself to anybody. We're all different and it's just try our best. And we'll have bad days and that's fine. You'll have days that you want to give up and that's okay. But just don't give up. But feeling like that is okay and understandable. Where can people... Uh find you online uh, learn more about your story see what you're up to um, I mean I'm, I post a lot of stuff on Instagram it's just my name Christopher Adam which is K-R-I-S-T-O-F-E-R and then A-D-A-M and then the number 96 for the year that I was diagnosed and then um, there's a link to my blog on my Instagram account and then on Facebook just Christopher Thompson and then I have a page that I made like kind of just posting pictures and videos of surgeries on on Facebook, it's called Papa's Got a Brand New Bag, kind of for my ostomy to play on the James Brown song. Love it. <laughs> so, you know, so I post a lot of, you know, I, I was very lucky in a sense. Like my my surgeon um, had one of his students film my Whipple surgery, you know, and I have footage wow. that he recorded with my phone of my, you know, so I mean, I have a lot of cool stuff like that so you can see like what actually goes into surgery. And I've recorded myself like at the best, worst of times in September of 2014 when I weighed 120 pounds, you know? So I, you know what I mean? Just so people can see, I don't know. I just don't want people to just see mm-hmm. like just the good stuff, you know? I, what do you weigh? What do you weigh now? 155. Nice. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's, yeah. and I never thought I would, I, I didn't think I'd break it to 130. Yeah. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, it means a lot to me. I know it's going to mean a lot to the people that get to hear your story. I just want to wish you just uh, nothing but the best of health and uh, just lots of good stuff in your future, man. You know, yeah, I, I really admire what you've done. I, I mean, I really appreciate that, and I I admire what you're doing with you know the colon cancer. Probably, I think this is great. You know, and it's. It's great. It's. I think it's awesome, and th- and thank you again. I can't thank you enough time for, thank you enough times for, you know, asking me to be part of it. And this is really big deal. It's, it's my pleasure. Be well, my well, friend. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast dot com. You can subscribe to the podcast on our website, on iTunes, or on the Stitcher app for listeners using an Android device. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website 
at www.ccalliance.org. Again, that's www.ccalliance.org. You can also email your questions to us at info at the colon cancer podcast.com. Thanks again for listening. Be well, everyone.